Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19 as we look at another encounter that Jesus had, you know, in the Gospels and during his earthly ministry. And this encounter is the one that Zacchaeus had with Jesus. We're looking at verses 1 through 10 this morning. This story is a pretty well-known Bible story. And usually a lot of people learn it when they're young, when they're, you know, in in Sunday school. It's a great lesson for the kids, but it's a powerful lesson for adults. It's a great story about a man that people thought would never get saved. And in saying that, you can probably think of people you thought would never get saved. That person might even be you. I thought the same thing, too. I would never get saved. Of course, at the time, I didn't know what that meant. But I figured I I would never be one of those religious people, always going to church and talking about Jesus and weird stuff like the blood and saved and, you know, all kinds of stuff. But this is a great encouragement for all of us that Jesus can save anyone. It doesn't matter how impossible or unlikely it might seem. Now, this meeting that we see here between Zacchaeus and Jesus has some similarities to the meeting Jesus had with the rich young ruler. Now, both of these men were wealthy. They both seemed to be, well, they were, you know, they, they, were, they were both wealthy and they both seemed to be pretty excited to meet Jesus. Because we read that they both ran to get to him. But the result of their meeting was quite different because, you see, the rich young ruler's behavior was more upright than Zacchaeus's. Because the young rich ruler, he lived by the Ten Commandments. Where Zacchaeus, on the other hand, being a tax collector, and also definitely hadn't lived by the Ten Commandments. Now, the biggest difference between Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler is the way they received Jesus. The rich young ruler wouldn't do what Jesus asked him to do. And he wouldn't let go of his money because of Jesus. So, again, uh, uh, even though Zacchaeus was a wicked man, he was eventually saved. But even though the rich young ruler was an upright man, that is, as far as the world's standards go, wasn't saved. And even though Zacchaeus was a wicked man, he was eventually saved. But even rich, uh, even though the rich young ruler was an upright man, again, uh, worldly standards aren't what we go by. Zacchaeus will be in heaven for all eternity. But the rich young ruler will be in hell. You see, how you respond to Jesus determines where you will spend eternity. And think about that this morning. This message is for you if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you haven't made him your Lord and Savior. The same word of God that will save you will condemn you if it's rejected. That's pretty important. So here we're introduced to Zacchaeus who's known as the man who climbed the tree to see Jesus. Let's begin with verse 1. 
Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Zacchaeus lived in the town of Jericho. And his character, Zacchaeus' character matched the history of the city, which was under a divine curse because of its wickedness. And the city was destroyed by Joshua and the Israelites when they entered Canaan. God had put a curse on Jericho and on the building of it. Now, it was a beautiful city, visually. You know, you look at the city and you know, what a, you know, what a beautiful place. But it was corrupt, morally. Even so, Jesus did some well-known miracles there in Jericho. It's where he held, healed blind Bartimaeus. It's where he saved Zacchaeus. But that's what you should expect when Jesus comes to town. Something's going to happen. Something's going to happen when Jesus comes to town. And he can change a curse to a blessing. Look at verse 2. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. He was a chief tax collector who was hated because he collected taxes for the Roman government. These tax collectors were hated with a passion Not only because they collected money for the Roman government, but also because they were often terribly dishonest. And they made their money by collecting more than they should have from those they were collecting taxes from. Probably thinking about your own tax collector today. A tax collector had some great advantages for getting the money out of the people. Blackmail, payoffs. Those are pretty common tactics. And to the godly Jew, a tax collector was pretty much the same as the word was pretty much the same as sinner. Tax collector and sinner were the, were the same to the to the godly Jew. And they were despised. The tax collectors were despised uh, more than most people in society. Now, Zacchaeus wasn't just a tax collector. Notice it says he was a chief tax collector that means that he was over a group of tax collectors he had moved up the ladder in promotion in this evil business of collecting taxes for the roman government so he would be especially hated by the jews and we also read in verse 2 he was rich zacchaeus was a rich man and as we read further on when he confessed that what he had done it seems he got his riches if not all of them dishonestly If you jump down to verse 8, notice what it says. He says, if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, the words false accusation by Zacchaeus, it says that he knew how to extort and pressure people into paying more money than they were supposed to in order to make the tax collector happy. Because if the money wasn't paid, they could cause a lot of problems for the taxpayer with the dreaded Roman government. Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' wealth wasn't the result of honest and hard work, but it had a lot to do with dishonesty and cruelty to others. Verse 3. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Jesus had come to town. He came to Jericho. And he was famous, I mean, because of, you know, the things that he had done. His fame had been great, and the news was out that Jesus was in town. He's in Jericho. 
And when Zacchaeus finds out that Jesus was in town, Zacchaeus gets all excited. He wants to see Jesus. So he goes out to find him. Now, no doubt his main reason for seeing Jesus was probably out of curiosity. But there was probably some other reasons deep down inside for why he wanted to see Jesus, which were proved in this meeting here. You see, Zacchaeus' heart was unsettled about his soul's condition. Are you settled right now? Can you say without a doubt that you know if you were to die today, you're going to heaven? If not, you're you're in an unsettled condition. And you should be concerned where you're going to spend eternity. Looking for Jesus was the best thing that Zacchaeus ever did. You know what? It's the best thing that you could ever do. Seeking Jesus Christ needs to be done by every living soul, young and old alike. Man seeks a lot of things. Man seeks a lot of other things. But they're worthless and harmful. But seeking Jesus Christ can bring you eternal life. But Zacchaeus had a slight problem. Verse 3 says he couldn't see Jesus because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. He was vertically challenged. He was a short guy. He was a short man. And this was the problem for him in this case. Huge crowds followed around Jesus and and they were crowded all around him. So Nicodemus couldn't see Jesus. And because he was a tax collector... Nobody was about to say, hey, little fellow, why don't you come right up here in front so you can see Jesus? They probably looked at him and crowded and just get out of here. And, you know, just had nothing to do with because a tax collector. They weren't going to let him up front so they could see Jesus. So what does uh, Zacchaeus do? Look at verses four and five. So he ran, Zacchaeus ran ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he saw him and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today. I must stay at your house. Can you imagine? Zacchaeus really wanted to see Jesus. Nothing or no one was going to get in his way. So what does he do? He runs to get ahead of the crowd. And he finds a tree to climb up so that he could get a good view of Jesus when he passes by. He, he ran and he climbed. These are, these are action words. His running and his climbing show how eager he was to see Jesus. It's a picture that shows us that if you're going to grow spiritually, you're going to have to show some effort and put some energy into it. Reading, going to church, praying. You have to put some energy and effort into those things. Now, it's not works that saves us, but it shows us that we are saved. I do want to learn the scriptures. I want to, do learn, I want to learn about God. So, you know, I, I'm going to put effort into reading and searching the scriptures so that I can find those treasures that are there. The things that God wants to tell me, the things that God wants to show me. Prayer, it's taking time out from our day and and spending that time with God. 
So again, it's taking that effort and putting that energy into that time that I spend with God where I will grow spiritually. And we need to do that. And so we see that in, in, in this running and climbing. He wanted to see Jesus and, and you know, uh, see what Jesus was all about. Now, there are a lot of things that get in our way when it comes to growing spiritually. And we're not going to overcome those things unless we have some passion. And here the crowd got in, G- in Zacchaeus's way of seeing Jesus. And the only way to over- overcome those things that get in your way to, to see Jesus and to find out about him, you have to run and you have to climb over those things. Now, think about it. It must have been a, a, a funny thing for the crowd to see. This little, this wealthy little Jewish ta- tax collector sitting in a tree in a most humiliating way, perched there like a little bird on a branch. But here's the thing. He wasn't worried about what it looked like. He wasn't worried about what people were going to think of him and what he looked like sitting in that tree. But what it does show is that he had a real anxiousness to know Jesus and the salvation that he had to offer. And you see, when you really want to know about Jesus, you're not going to be afraid of what anybody's going to say. You're not going to be afraid of what you look like. You're not going to feel any embarrassment Zacchaeus's goal was to get a look at Jesus as he passed by him below. But boy, Zacchaeus got a whole lot more than he bargained for. And you know what? You always will when you seek, seek out Jesus Christ. Zacchaeus got a whole lot more than just a glance at Jesus. Because he did more than just get a glance. He got more than just getting a glance of Jesus. Jesus got a glance of him. In the tree. And when he sees Zacchaeus, he says, hey, hey, Zacchaeus, get down here. Quickly, come down. He says, I'm going to your house for dinner. Wow. Where Jesus could talk to him on a personal level. Now, this was a call of grace to Zacchaeus. There was no merit in Zacchaeus. There was nothing deserving of Zacchaeus. Jesus would say, hey, man, I'm coming to your house because you're quite a guy. You're a good man. Now think about this. If there was ever a person, a soul, that was called out and then saved without having done anything to deserve it, it was the soul of Zacchaeus. And you know what? It's the same with all of us. And that's really the way it is with every living soul that's saved. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, quick, come down. Jesus' call to come down is the same for every person. You see, it's symbolic of humbleness. And salvation is humbling. It's humbling. It's not worrying about what your friends in school are going to think or your friends at work are going to think or what your boyfriend or girlfriend are going to think. It's not about that. It's coming down and looking at Christ. Like I said, salvation is humbling. It requires the person to confess that he is a sinner and that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you know what? That's really hard for our flesh to admit to. Because we, we, we think we're good people. 
that I've done good things. That I'm friendly and people like me. I got a lot of friends and, and people speak well of me. And that may be true. But when you stand before God, you could say all those things. But the father is going to say, well, what did you do with my son? It's not about you. It's not about all of those that like you. What did you do with my son? That's the bottom line. You see, it requires a person to admit I'm a sinner and that Jesus Christ is Lord, which is, man, that's so hard for me to do because, see, I'm up there on my own, uh, in my own little perch, if you will. That's why Jesus said, hey, come down. Come down. Many refuse Jesus and salvation because, you see, they won't come down. They won't come down from their lofty perch of pride. They won't come down and admit they're a sinner. And you see, that's why pride is one of the is on the top of the list of the things that God hates, because pride keeps so many people from getting saved. All the rooms in hell will be filled with the proud. This was a personal call to Zacchaeus. Jesus would go to Zacchaeus's house. He would speak to Zacchaeus one-on-one. Salvation is personal. To be saved, you have to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Now, this is the only time we find Jesus inviting himself to be somebody's guest. Sometimes Jesus goes, uh, sometimes Jesus goes to those who aren't looking for him. Jesus doesn't go where he's not wanted. He doesn't bless where blessings aren't wanted. All of this says that Jesus knew Zacchaeus' heart or else he wouldn't have invited himself to Zacchaeus' house. You see, Jesus being omniscient and knew Zacchaeus would welcome him to his house. Jesus is God. Look at verse 6. So he made haste, Zacchaeus made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Notice that. Wouldn't it be great if everybody responded to the call of Christ like Zacchaeus did, joyfully? As soon as as Jesus called Zacchaeus, he scurried down from that tree. Notice first he ran to the tree to get to Jesus. He hurries now down to get out of that tree to see Jesus. Again, this shows, again, his speedy response to see and to meet Christ. And you see, it's obedience that honors the Lord and blesses the responder. Remember the rich young ruler? He didn't submit to the Lord's commands. And he went away sorrowful. Zacchaeus received him joyfully. The rich young ruler went away empty. Zacchaeus will go away with the best blessing anybody could ever receive, salvation. Zacchaeus was happy to have Jesus come to his house. Now, if Jesus came to you and said, hey, let's go. We're we're going to your house today for dinner. Would you be hesitant? Well, Lord, could you make it tomorrow? I got to go home and clean up some stuff. You know, hide some magazines and some videos. When I offer you something to drink and open the refrigerator, I want you to just see, you know, water and not some of the other stuff I drink. 
or would say, come on, let's go right now. I'd love to have you come over. You see, Zacchaeus received him joyfully. This isn't always the case with a lot of people. But you see, this is the key to happiness, receiving Jesus Christ. The psalmist said in Psalm 16, in your presence is fullness of joy and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, the world wants to be happy and they're trying to be happy. But they're not happy. The world tries all kinds of different ways to be happy. The problem is they leave Jesus Christ out so they'll never find true happiness. They'll never find lasting happiness. Jesus must be in the heart if happiness is going to be in the heart. Verse 7. But when they saw it, that is the people that were watching, when they saw what was going on between Zacchaeus and Jesus, when they saw it, notice, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Jesus has gone to a sinner's house. Jesus is going to go have fellowship with a sinner. You see, whenever the Lord is doing a work, there will always be criticizers there will always be criticism because nothing jesus does successfully makes satan happy satan will often voice his opinion through human voices whenever jesus reached out to save sinners his critics would complain so when jesus went to zacchaeus's house the critics began to claim be complain And if you're involved in doing God's work, don't be surprised if people complain or criticize your work. Even by believers. Being a dedicated servant, doing the Lord's work well, makes you a target for criticism. It's a given. Expect it. It says here, they all complained. The majority of the crowd there is against Jesus. And you have to remember, Christianity is a minority. We are not a majority. We are a minority. And most of the professors of education, school teachers, the news media, government, society is opposed to Jesus Christ. The people here were complaining that Jesus was going to be the guest of a sinner. Now, their thinking was that Jesus approved of Zacchaeus' evil works. But you see, Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house to save him. But you see, critics don't care about the facts. They say, don't don't confuse me with facts. I've already made up my mind. They don't care about facts. They don't care about truth. They will twist even the purest and most innocent situations and they will turn them into sinful situations which does harm or evil. The religious leaders in that day made a big deal about separating from those who were, des- who were designated sinner. Oh, they're a sinner. Can't hang out with them. They were supporters of the holier-than-thou attitude. But you see, they didn't reach out to sinners with the gospel of salvation. And when somebody did... All they did was criticize. Now, we get to the last part of the encounter of Jesus with Zacchaeus, which is the best part. 
a great change now takes place in Zacchaeus after he got saved. And when somebody gets saved, there will be great changes made in that person's life. No ends, ifs, or buts. The changes will be the evidence that a person is saved. When we don't see changes and we don't see people forsaking their sins, we can, be, we, we can justly suspect that salvation hasn't really taken place. Because you see, Paul said, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, not maybe, might be, he, and old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. There is a changed life. Verse 8. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and I have taken uh, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore it fourfold, fourfold. All right, here's where we reckon, here's where we're going to see now the changes that happened to Zacchaeus. The first change, it says he stood up. It says, then Zacchaeus stood. Well, okay, so he stood. Zacchaeus stood up and made quite a statement which reflected the change that took place in him as as a result of him being saved. Now, the word stood, it refers to his physical posture. But even so, it's symbolic of the great change in his life from his conversion and sums up the changes. You see, before his conversion, he was not standing upright. He wasn't an upright man. Because he was a tax collector and he was dishonest and he behaved himself in a most sleazy way. But things have changed now. Now he's standing upright, physically and spiritually speaking. The second change we see in Zacchaeus is he called Jesus Lord. Jesus is now his Lord. Before Zacchaeus got saved, he didn't have much to say or he didn't have much to do with God. He wasn't living a holy life according to the law of God. But Zacchaeus now changes from an irreligious man to a godly man as a result of his salvation. The third change in Zacchaeus is he became generous. He became generous as a result of salvation. He says here, I give half of my goods to the poor. This was a man who was taking all that he could. Generous another way. He was taking generous portions from other people. He was taking all that he could. Now he's giving back with great generosity. And he's not just giving a small portion of what he owns. He's giving half of his possessions to charity. You see, when people receive the greatest gift of all salvation, it makes them, a, it makes them a, a, a lot better giver than they had ever been before. The world, oh, they, they use all kinds of tactics for getting money. The church uses many schemes and many gimmicks when it comes to collecting money. But the best way to inspire people to give is to get people saved. Nothing makes them more generous and better givers than a saved soul. Someone said, if God has your heart, he has your pocketbook. 
The fourth change we see in, in, in Zacchaeus. It says, I, he said, I give to the poor. Before Zacchaeus was saved, he cheated others out of their hard-earned money. But here now, in an instant, he becomes a very compassionate man. Very compassionate man. So the fourth change is compassion. Compassion. He's giving back. Now he cares for the poor. Nothing can make a man so compassionate as Jesus Christ. When a person gets saved, compassion increases greatly. We, we live in a, in a cold, cruel, cutthroat world. Why? All because men do not have a right relationship with Christ. But man, when a, when a man is converted, it makes his heart soft. As it says in Ezekiel eleven nineteen, God said, I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. The poor here in our text speaks of those that are poor because of circumstances like sickness, accidents and tragedies. Things out of their control. These who are, those who are poor, these are not the poor due to immorality, laziness, or poor choices. Like many we, we see on the streets today. They made poor choices. Immorality. Laziness. Proverbs mentions five or six things why a person is poor and is in poverty. And these are a few. Laziness. Immorality. Choices. And Zacchaeus had compassion on those who are truly needy. The fifth change in Zacchaeus was honesty. He said, if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Honesty. Zacchaeus is admitting, I cheated people. I cheated others. Now I'm willing to do some restitution work. Honesty now possesses Zacchaeus' heart where before, he, uh, be, where before he was saved, he was a skillful liar and he made false charges against people in order to squeeze more taxes out of them, to get more money out of them, more than, was, than what was required of the person. True conversion makes a man honest. And the sixth change that we recognize here is he became Responsible. Responsible. I restore, notice, but fourfold. Zacchaeus wasn't just spewing hot air. Zacchaeus made, uh, was a man of action after he got saved. He became responsible in his character. And as a result, he was now going to restore the amount, not just the amount he had stolen, but fourfold what he had stolen. He was going to take full responsibility for his wicked behavior and the harm that he caused other people. You see, Jesus makes people responsible. If we're slacking in whatever we're doing, we need to check on our relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, our slackness in being responsible is either we're not saved or it's a lack of devotion to Christ. Verses 9 and 10. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, Zacchaeus wasn't just changed in his character. 
but he was also changed in his spiritual position too. His position, Zacchaeus' position, changed from a condemned man to a pardoned man. And he was changed from a child of the devil to a child of Abraham. And the changes were in the area of his freedom and his spiritual family. He was changed from a condemned man on hell's death row to a pardoned soul. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Man, it was the greatest day of Zacchaeus' life. Pardon, it was a pardon from heaven. Man, that's the greatest pardon of all. To have God, to have, to, to have God say, you're pardoned? That's eternal life. Zacchaeus was a wicked man before sentenced to death eternal death but now that he's received christ into his heart he was pardoned a pardoned man and and sentenced to eternal life and man's greatest need today is to be pardoned for his sins and that pardon can only be had by jesus christ receiving him not just talking about him not just going to church but knowing him receiving him and through this pardon all sins are forgiven And Zacchaeus' record in heaven has been wiped clean as if he'd never sinned, and he is now free of all condemnation. You see, salvation brings the greatest freedom ever known to the human race. Jesus said, therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed, free from this world's uh, uh, attractions and free from, from the drugs and the alcohol and all the allurements that people get hooked on. Then there was a change in his family, his spiritual family. He was changed from a child of the devil to a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus was a Jew in the flesh. But here Jesus speaks of him as being a spiritual son of Abraham. In other words, Zacchaeus, like Abraham, believed in God. The Bible says in Genesis 15.6, Abraham believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Now, what this Genesis text refers to is Abraham's believing what God said about the promised son, which was Isaac, from which the promised son would come from, Jesus Christ. So you see, Jesus was involved in Abraham's faith because Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it and was glad, John 8, 56. When a person receives Jesus Christ as their Savior, he or she becomes a member of a new family. They become a son or a daughter of the family of the redeemed, of whom Jesus Christ is the head. John said in John 1.12, But as many as received him, that is Christ, to them, he, that is God the Father, gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in Jesus Christ, who believe in his name. The Father makes you a a son or daughter of His because you've received His Son. And that's the only way you become a son or daughter of God is through receiving Jesus Christ. It's a blood relationship that far exceeds the blood relationship of mere humans because, you see, it's a blood relationship that that was bought by, It was brought about through the blood of Jesus Christ. Paul said, for you were bought at a price. What was the price? Calvary. What did he pay with his blood? Your blood bought. 
I love what Peter said. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. You were, you were, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. The word precious means valueless. It means you can't put a price on it. Jesus said, for, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You see, the person bringing about the great change in Zacchaeus' life was Jesus. He was the one who sought out Zacchaeus and saved him. It was all Jesus. In closing, Christ's mission, he came here to save man from his sins, not in their sins. There's a huge difference. From them. Jesus came all the way from heaven to save men from their sins. It was and still is Christ's compassion for saving men from their sins or no one would be saved today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's compassion cost him. There would be no salvation if Jesus didn't go to the cross. Salvation and Calvary are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. In order to save man, Jesus had to die for man. And no greater sacrifice was ever made than the one Jesus made at Calvary for every living soul. No greater cost was ever paid for man's salvation at Calvary. What a huge, immeasurable cost for God the Father and God the Son. They gave all. How that should shame us for the little cost that we are willing to pay to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. When we get up every day, our day starts out not knowing how it will end. Just like Zacchaeus, I'm sure he got up that day and never figured he's going to get saved that day. For Zacchaeus, that day, his day, ended in joyful fellowship with the Son of God. Why? Because he was now a changed man. He now had a new life, a new outlook, new desires. And you know what? Jesus is still seeking the lost. He's still seeking you this morning if you haven't come to know him. And he wants so very much to save you. Has Jesus found you? Father, we thank you so much for this wonderful passage, Lord, and the wonderful lessons lessons that are in it, God. But Lord, these things are just words on a page if we don't do something with them, if we don't take them seriously, if we don't surrender to them, God. Though there's so much there for us to take, take to heart to allow God to change our hard, stony heart into a soft, compassionate, tender heart if we leave here without it we've, we've we've wasted our time
we pray, God, that you would just convince hearts this morning, God. Don't leave here the same way you came in without Christ. But as you heard the word, now you become responsible. You'll never be able to blame God if you don't make it to heaven. Because you will be reminded about this day. You heard the gospel. You heard the news. The need to be saved. You saw the example. But now it's decision time. What do I do with Jesus? The worship team is going to lead us in a song of worship. And this is your time. As we sing and praise God. If you want to receive Christ, if you want what Zacchaeus received here in this chapter, then as we sing, you get up out of your seat, you make your way down the aisles toward the steps up front here, and I'll meet you there. And when the song's over, we'll pray together a simple prayer of faith.